1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oki Investigations. (laughs) My name is Trevor Shelby. The spooky times are here, and that means we're telling haunted stories once again. But seriously, folks, thank you all for joining us for the 2021 Spooky Time episodes. It's October, and I'm ready to tell a few more spooky stories from my home state and elsewhere as well. But first, let's talk about me, shall we? Because I love doing that. I'm an Oklahoman who loves to investigate crimes that's happened in my state and across the United States. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a love for true crime. The stories that are featured on this show are true stories. The narrative of each story comes from extensive research through police reports, trial notes, appeals, personal counts, news reports, ghostly specters, witch trials, seances, and a whole lot more. Opinions on this show should be taken as such. For more information on each story, join us on our webpage at truecrime.blog, where you'll see some of the cool things that we've gathered while researching each show, This includes a timeline of events, newspaper clippings, court documents, and a whole lot more. Come and check us out at truecrime.blog and our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash okie Investigations. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Now, the last few stories that we've done have been a lot of fun. I thought that maybe I would have a trouble, you know, finding spooky stories for Oklahoma cuz I had trouble last year to be honest. And I did a lot of research trying to find things that weren't really known or like quite remembered. And even though we've we've covered some of the more popular ones this year, uh, I wanted to find something that you know was kind of like an original story that really hasn't been touched on much since and that's what we're doing today and I'm excited about this one I really am because this story ran in the paper in I think it was 1890 and I can't find any trace of it being run anywhere else it's crazy to think that um uh, when I, I I I basically copied this story down word for word in my word processor and in it I have you know the plagiarism check and so it I'm just double checking that I have it plagiarized and it checks literally billions of web pages and it could not find anything of this story anywhere on the internet. So this is kinda of special. This is like an original ghost story, and we're bringing it to you guys firsthand. So I'm, I don't know, not to toot my own horn, but this is really cool. (laughs) I'm kind of like nerding out on this for, for research sake, or like a research nerd. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Now, if you like this kind of content why don't you hop on over and subscribe to this show? Because that helps us out a whole lot. Because when you're on your podcasting network and you search for true crime, the ones that pop up the most, they got the most subscribers. So subscribing to us helps us out tremendously. Thank you guys so much for that. Also, back by popular demand. I'm going to let loose my Okie, okay? <laughs> So I, I really hope y'all don't mind, okay? <laughs> so, cause this is this is a a very oaky piece. It's and this isn't even an Oklahoman story, but I've got to go western on this one, and it's gonna be fun. I just I'm excited, guys. I'm really excited. Let's get to it. In the summer of 1873, I was 30 years of age, in perfect health and of steady nerve. I was no believer in the uncanny, hardly in the supernatural, and always pooh-poohed at tales of ghosts, phantoms, and visions of all sorts. But at the time mentioned above, the experience I'm about to relate put my intellect and sensibility to test in such a manner as to make me spring thenceforward of ridicule, informed me to find a place and credence for the possibility of apparitions. It is unnecessary to explain how I came to be traveling in the far west without companions, except for a horse and a dog and a gun. Following the general route of the old overland trail, I camped one night in the edge of a considerable forest and found a point from which I could look forth over a broad, open plain. It was already after sundown. The good horse was picketed, and having provided supper for myself and the dog, from a rabbit which my gun had brought down an hour or two earlier, I disposed things for the night, and as the stars came out, I lay down to sleep, comfortably rolled in a blanket, it was probably in the small hours of the night that I awoke and rose to a sitting posture. The moon was climbing in the eastern sky, and not a feather of cloud in its course. Every object stood forth as clearly as in the day. But it was not for me to contemplate in quietude the rare beauty of the night. In almost the first moment of consciousness, My eyes foil upon a slowly moving object in the distance. It was one of those canvas-covered wagons, the Prairie Schooners, so familiar in the early days of the overland travel to California. It was approaching almost directly towards me, and my curiosity was at once aroused. Why anyone should be traveling thus and so late at night, I could not imagine. The movement was heavy, as if the horse were jaded, and the man who walked by their side had a weary step. Twenty minutes passed, the vehicle approached nearer and nearer. Still on it came, until about thirty yards from me it suddenly stopped, and the man looking about seemed to be considering the wisdom. "'of making camp. "'At this moment, I suddenly realized "'that the approaching of the wagon "'had been utterly noiseless. "'Not a chuck of the wheels, not a sound of step, "'neither horse nor man. "'And furthermore, there was no indication "'that I had been discovered. "'Although I should have been as visible as this man "'as he were to me. "'What could this mean? "'Was I dreaming? "'No.' I was never more awake. Was this a hallucination? No, for the dog who had been aroused by my movement in awaking now turned his head in the direction of the new arrival and uttered a low growl. I laid my hand on him to keep him quiet. The man now stood by the forward wheel looking at the opening of the canvas top and though I heard no voice, I imagined that he was speaking to someone within. A woman's head appeared, and after a glance around, gave a nod of assent, and the man proceeded to unharness the horses and turn them loose to grace. Then after a moment in which he seemed to be anxiously surveying the trail over which they had come, he helped the woman to alight, and now their movement greatly puzzled me. Walking to and fro, they seemed to be searching for some particular spot of ground. As I said above, I selected my camping ground on the outer edge of the forest, where they were moving about, therefore amid mingling shadows and moonbeams, but every motion was visible. Finally, the woman pointed to a space between two young trees, and the man, after looking at it for a moment, went to the rear end of the wagon and brought forth a spade. With the edge of this implement, he marked off a rectangular space, about five feet by two, and began to dig. All this, let it be remembered, was in absolute silence. Here were apparently living beings, actively engaged, and no more than a hundred feet away and yet no sound was born to me on the quiet air. By this time, my curiosity had turned to marvel. Here was a contradiction of common sense. I could not believe that what I saw was real. These beings must be apparitions. And yet, here, by my side was the dog, as alert as I, and trembling, with impulse to investigate, while obedient, to my hand to restraint. The digging proceeded, and the soil being soft, five feet of depth was soon reached. And then the man threw out the spade upon the ground. The woman, meanwhile, had been plucking branches of evergreen, bringing them in armfuls and throwing them beside the grave, I thought. And now, with the utmost care and patience, The whole cavity was lined with these springs of evergreen, held in place by twigs thrust into the banks of either side.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: This done, the man sprang out. The two surveyed their work for a moment. And after gazing once more, as if in anxiety over the route by which they had come, approached the wagon. Having rolled up the canvas on one side, they lifted out a small mattress, depositing it upon a blanket which they spread upon the ground. This mattress was not without its burden. The beams of the full moon enabled me to see thereon a slight form, that of a little girl who had scarcely lived out three years. The pretty white hands were folded over the breast long golden curls fell upon either side of the pillow. The face, which I could see with astonishing clearness, was wonderfully beautiful in its aspect of innocence, and bore a lifelike smile, as if in answer to the radiant queen of the sky, who seemed to be smiling too, as if she looked steadfastly down upon the living and the dead. The mother forthwith proceeded to arrange the spreads upon the child, tucking them and smoothing them down as if she were only putting the little one to bed. Although I heard no sob nor expression of grief, I could see that her breast was heaving with sorrow, and her face was visited by tears. The two now knelt on either side, kissing their darling many times and weeping over her, though trying apparently to comfort one another in their mutual wretchedness, if perchance there might come in their hearts a calm like that which the moon was still sending down her beams to illuminate the tearful scene. Then, laying hold of the blanket, they carried their darling to the grave, and by the aid of the bridal reins let the precious burden down into the place which they had so carefully prepared. Green brat were scattered all over her until they covered the beautiful form in many inches deep, and then the clods were gently replaced, and a little mound was heaped, and the child, transferred from her mother's bosom, was sleeping at last in the bosom of the greater Mother Earth. The two sad mourners knelt again, beside the grave, and seemed to be engaged in prayer, lifting their faces now and then to the sky, as if in its infinite clear depths, they saw the future hopes. All this, though, I still thought it unreal, had awakened me in the keenest interest and sympathy. But my attention was now suddenly diverted to a line of figures in the distance. Somewhat beyond the spot where I had seen the wagon when I first awoke. There were horsemen, who came sweeping on at a rapid pace, as if engaged in eager pursuit. From the manner in which they rode, I knew they were Indians. Ah, I saw it all now, and understood why these spectral visitors had so often looked back apprehensively in the direction from which they had approached. These pilgrims across the plains had seen signs of Indians, and had used the night to push on beyond their reach, if haply they might bury their dead in peace and find safety themselves. But the foe had discovered their trail and followed them bent on massacre. I laid my hand instinctively on the rifle under the edge of my blanket that I might join in the defense. I was about to cry out in warning of the danger I saw approaching, but instantly bethought myself that that this was unreality, a mere vision. Calling for no practical action, I might better let these shadows work out their tragedy to the end. I again restrained the dog, who seemed agitated, whether because he saw what I was seeing or out of sympathy with the emotion. I know not which. The two of the grave seemed unconscious of the threatened danger until their enemies were within a hundred yards when the man sprang up and lifted the woman also to her feet. They turned towards a wagon as if to gain its shelter and secure weapons for defense. It was too late. I saw flashes of fire and also a flight of arrows, still without sound, however, to break the calm of night. Both the man and the woman staggered, as if wounded. They stopped and turned face to face, throwing their arms about each other as if realizing this was their last embrace. Another volley, and still clinging to each other in the agony of death, they fell upon the grave of their child. The Indians were not long in completing their work. Then catching the horses and harnessing them to the wagon, they hastened away as though themselves in fear of pursuit. I watched them until they disappeared and then was alone with my thoughts in the brilliant night. I realized I had seen a vision. Though I turned myself to rest, my sleep for the remainder of the night was fitful. And disturbed when I finally awakened again, the sun had risen, and under the influence of the great dispeller is illusions and In the spite of the vividness of the night's experiences, I began to think that, after all, I might have only been dreaming, especially when I saw that space where I had seen the burial and the tragedy that followed was not open and clear but overgrown with brush and young trees. Nevertheless, yielding to curiosity of which I was, meanwhile, almost ashamed, I soon made my way into the bushes. Parting these with my hands, I bent forward, scanning the ground closely. I shortly experienced a new shock of surprise, for there, in the exact spot marked by the night scene, was a little mound, and beside it, the remains of two skeletons, and not for a retrospective fact which gave to this weird experience of the night a personal significance, while I was yet a lad in my teens, my brother twenty years older had taken his young wife and child and set out across the plains in pursuit of fortune. The mails had brought home tidings of the progress of their journey up to a certain point. Beyond this, all trace was lost, and we never heard of them again. I have not been able to account, satisfactory, for that I have related. Was this an indubitable information vouched to me from another world as to the fate of my relatives? If so, why was it reserved for this time and place? Was it impossible that I should have seen this vision elsewhere? And if this is the case then why? Had nature photographed these tragic scenes and preserved their reflection? Reproduced them for an eye that was fitted by some occult law of sympathy to behold? Let the savants answer, if they can. I cannot. Written by Edward B. Bain Now, this story was originally published in the Indian Citizen from Atoka, Oklahoma. It was published on February 8th of 1890. It's a very cool story. Very interesting to hear such a ghostly tale from back then. Fun fact, my family on my mother's side is from Atoka, Oklahoma. It's a pretty, pretty nice place. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I know I had a spooky good time doing all the research on this one. So uh, I hope to find a little more for you all. Uh, Halloween's not here yet, so we've got plenty of time to tell some more spooky stories. But I'll see you guys next time. You all stay safe. See ya.